You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly 24-7, before that at Scout, now here exclusively on 24-7. Today's show is brought to you by BuiltBar.com. I love them. If you love them, go to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get 15% off, and if you've tried it, you've loved it. Trust me. So how much time do we really want to spend on this Yankee series? Uh, I'll be honest. I intentionally didn't watch Sunday's game. I checked in the third inning as I was getting ready to go outside and do some yard work. I've got some uh, pus- nope, pesky buckthorn, uh, and I was chopping it up because they do pick up on Mondays behind the scenes here. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out. I'm going to listen to some podcasts, uh, some comedy-based ones, things like that, and not think about baseball because at that point in time, the Indians are already down 3 nothing, and I'm just annoyed. I'm annoyed with the play on the field, and I'm annoyed with what some of the players are doing and the team itself. So let's touch on some of that. How tone deaf is it to wish Omar Vizquel a happy birthday? I know, should I give a warning about like political stuff here? I, I don't think it's political. Like, the man has been accused of domestic violence. We talked about that on the show. Uh, you know, I'm someone who can remember when times were different, when the Indians added Will Cordero to be the DH after he had been, you know, arrested for domestic violence. And there was no so much, not so much as a slap on the wrist or even a thought process. I can remember being a teenager and making bad jokes about it, uh, which in retrospect, I look back and cringe as a dumb kid that I did. So things have evolved and changed a lot since that. Wishing Omar Vizquel a happy birthday is, it's either tone deaf or it's ignorant. And you can't be either when you are the Indians Twitter. You have to be aware. If you're going to go out there and change your mascot because of how people feel. And again, I think that is the right move. I've stated that before in the show. You cannot also then in that same breath, wish someone accused of some pretty horrific things, a happy birthday. And it was just one of those moments for me where I'm like, really, really, you're going to take this angle. Uh, And again, I'll sit there and say, like, I get why he's beloved because he stayed like no one stays in Cleveland. And he only left essentially because the team didn't want to bring him back. But at the end of the day, I mean, Kenny Lofton, I've said it before, my most popular tweet of the last two, three years was me saying Kenny Lofton was a better player than Omar Vizquel, and it wasn't even close. And anyone who knows baseball knows that's true. Like, the offensive profile with Lofton was so much higher, what he brought to the game and all facets. Like, Kenny Lofton is one of the top 10 Indians players of all time. He's not the all-time greatest center fielder because they've had some amazing ones from a different era. I mean, if you're talking in the modern era, Kenny Lofton is... I don't know if I want to say a peak. Like there, I would take Grady, peak Grady Sizemore over peak Kenny Lofton. And there was also, I saw those horrible takes this week or last week, that Grady Sizemore being overrated. And I'm just, either you didn't watch him or you only paid attention to him and what happened. He's like one of the last players, like him and Brandon Webb, it happened about the same time, were great players whose careers were ended way too early by injury. You go look at Grady Sizemore's comps by age. It's Barry Bonds and Duke Snyder before the injury. That's how good he was. So that's a terrible take just to point that one out. But looking at it, Lofton was an amazing player. Omar Vizquel was a very good player. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say great. He was a very good player. But you just, I'm not saying you have to go out and admonish him. Just don't say anything. 
the smartest move is to say nothing. It's the same thing I tell my students who are in fourth grade all the time. The smartest choice is to say nothing when someone says something. In this case, the Indians really need to take that advice to heart. It's the same thing with some of the players where we see them posting things that are anti-vaccination or anti-science. And if you know, you're know you someone out there and you don't believe in the vaccine, that's all well and good. It's, But it's not because it's the same issue I have when I, I talk to people because I spent my first decade uh, as an educator with students of, with autism and that whole feel uh, with anti-vax that you'd run into. And it, it comes down to there are people who can't vaccinate. And one of the reasons I always believe strongly in vaccination is for the, that group. And if you're offended, again, I'm sorry. Uh, I did give a slight warning at the start that this would go this way. But when you got Roberto Perez and Karen Chalk going out and making those the statements or the posts they make, uh, and then you add in the Omar thing, and you add in the terrible play, it's like, wow, for a lot of people, this is turning into a very hard-to-root-for team. And I know you're saying a true fan is with them through thick and thin. It's been a rough week. We'll get into those games in our second segment. I mean, it's been a rough season. Offensively, I, it's putrid. And I know I said they'd be better offensively, but I didn't expect everyone to regress whose name wasn't Fran Mill. And they've been terrible offensively. You have players saying things that for some of us are offensive or... You know, in Karen Chalk's one, I think he deleted it. It's like he had a misquote. Like, do your research. Like, if you're going to get there and have a point of view, uh, make sure that it's a quote that's actually real and not one that you just got from someone else who got it from someone else. It's it's my biggest pet peeve on the internet is the number of people who post a quote and it's not a real quote. It's from a fake source. It's like I can go back to high school and I remember being on the debate team and we used uh, it was a whole case on something like about universal human rights. And one kid one time said, did you know the U S didn't sign that? And then I heard that in every single debate and we had signed it. This one kid had lied, but because he was a known good debater when I was back in high school in the late nineties, uh, in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, everyone started saying that every time I used that quote in my case, like, well, you know, we didn't sign it. And then eventually like I did the research they had, it was a lie. No one else had bothered to do the research it's things like that that stick with me. It's like, if you're going to post something, you look like an idiot when you have a false quote. And I know I shouldn't talk about anyone looking like an idiot because I'm the dyslexic who often misspells, mistypes, and does things like that. But I'm not sitting there and putting a quote from someone that is 100% a falsely made up thing just to prove your point. Because if that is the backbone of your point, then your backbone is, then you have no point you've lost because you're using something that isn't true. Uh, so that's that's kind of my rant here. It's It's a team... Between, like I said, the the thing with Omar, where again, the smart move is to just do nothing. And then some of the things the players are saying, uh, you know, Roberto Perez with his, you know, I have a mask on the inside. It's called an immune system. And you just want to be like, that's nice, Roberto. Now let's talk about the people who have died. You're an athlete in peak shape. You have, uh, you know, you have a much better odds of survival than others. And you also have millions of dollars, which also makes it a lot easier for you than others. It's a really annoying view. And again, I know there's going to be people mad because I don't typically do this on the podcast, but that's my rant. Let me know what you think. Uh, If I pissed you off, I'm sorry. If you agree with me, let me know. But again, you can have a point of view I don't agree with. It's most of my family, honestly. And we can be respectful around each other. But they also don't come at me with false quotes. They also take a second and think, And for all of us, when we say something or do something incredibly boneheaded, we're like, we own it. And that doesn't happen here. And 
it all combines along with just the frustration of these early games to set up a situation where I'm sitting here going like, this is the least likable team maybe in my lifetime as a fan. You know, they got rid of Carlos Santano, Frankie Lindor, and Carlos Carrasco, maybe the three most likable players on the Indians in terms of personality. And then on top of all that leadership leaving, we talked about last year when, you know, the terrible choices were made and you had Adam Plutko still there as a leader. And I've never been much of the intangibles guy. That's never really been something I push, even though, like, I know there's value. I think we've all seen it. Like, I'm turning 40 this year. More often than not, it's not about natural ability. It's work ethic and things like that. Often then, you know, I'll stand that, like, work ethic shows up in performance. If you have it or you don't, some guys don't need it. You know, there are some great players who they're just great but for others we see that and I, I don't often push for the intangibles but I do wonder sometimes with this team you've got a lot of interesting personalities and who is stepping up you know who's stepping up now that Santana Lindor Pletko all of those guys Carrasco who's the vet and I don't know who it is I don't know who's stepping up into that void with this team but losing all of that now it feels like it's less a team and more just this uh, disparate is that the word it's the word I want I don't know if I pronounced it right group of individuals uh, just going for individual goals it does not feel like a cohesive team and that's kind of where they are right now and it, it again for someone like myself it just makes this a team that I am not enjoying as much as I enjoyed in other years because again it's it seems like a lot of you know and I've spent enough time around the minors and seen a lot of these guys are, you know, like I've talked about many times, Shane Bieber is like one of the nicest dudes I've ever met. Uh, you know, like my worst interaction in the minor leagues of my entire life was with Michael Brantley of all players. And it wasn't anything. And I, and honestly, like I get it. Like he just, he was on a rehab assignment. He didn't want to deal with having to talk to anyone who was uh, at the game that day for press. It's nothing against him. Uh, he, but you know, it was definitely uh, an uncomfortable situation in the moment. And that's, I understand that. But then you also hear about certain people, and at the end of the day, this just is not the most likable group. And you you know what? Winning would make it a little more tolerable, but at the same time, I I wonder how hard it is to win. Like, when things start going sideways, who's going to be Carlos Santana, you know, uh, breaking? Was it Pat talked about? I can't remember what Pat talked about when I talked with him, but he broke something. Like, it was just like you need to get everyone's attention, or Adam Pletko just being like, they lied to us and like putting accountability out there. Uh, those players, they, and I can't believe I'm the person of all people saying this. They might miss that. Uh, I, I know you're probably out there saying that should be Terry Francona's job. Uh, it, it should be. I don't know if it is because in the past, he wasn't the one who necessarily did that. He wasn't the one having the players only meetings. He wasn't the one saying enough is enough. And I don't know who is going to do that. And when you're a fan of my ilk and you look at what this team is doing, I like, again, I'm going to, you know, I think the front office does a really good job with limited assets. They have an ownership group that is trying to cut every dollar right now, which makes it hard to root for. They have a team on the field that is hard to root for in terms of performance. I know they won today or yesterday when you're listening and we'll get to that. And then you just, like I said, you get to some of the statements and I'm like, and Jose Ramirez is great, but Jose Ramirez is someone who keeps very much to himself. Uh, in terms of like what we see and, and Fran Mill is great, but he's, you know, who's 
we I miss that Frankie Lindor. I miss that Carlos Santana. I miss kind of that guy who was front and center and that guy you knew who was going to call everyone on their, their BS when things went sideways. So I'm going to end the rant there. We'll talk about this Yankee series and talk a little bit about the Twins in segment three. Here's the thing. You know, I don't love just to read a straight, uh, you know, ad read. It gets boring. So I talked about last week. I went over to BlueNile.com to look at myself at their 10 by 10 collection. And one of the things that I think is really cool is that it's 10 rings. That's 10, 10 uh, collection is about. But that these are all rings made by female designers. And you can go there and read about the profiles. And you could find a ring and see. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was one that was kind of classic elegance, as I think what the one um, artist was calling it. And I'm like, yeah, that's the one I like. When you go to BlueNile.com, you can find for anything. They talk about Mother's Day, conversation piece, birthdays, anything else. All responsibly sourced from Botswana. Also really good. You Diamonds. Anyone who, who's who been around long enough knows the history there. They are taking that time to responsibly source their diamonds. BlueNile.com, 1010 collection. It's awesome that they are all female designers. You can go read the bios. You can go find out about the people who design these rings so that you can even have an extra level or layer to the ring you choose. Remember, that is BlueNile.com 1010 collection. If you type BlueNile 1010, it'll take you right there. So let's go see what Bet Online, uh, one of our other fantastic sponsors, has as the line on for tomorrow's game. I feel like I saw the Indians covered today. I you know, I, I don't check every day, but when you're going over to uh, to Bet Online, 610 game tomorrow. Uh Plisak is getting a run and a half against Jose Barrios. I let's put it this way. I don't know if we're gonna get into a full deep dive. Barrios is pitching well, Plisak is not. I would definitely uh take that. And the over under is only seven. Like they're picking this as a bit of a pitching matchup. I would be more likely, honestly, if I was to take anything in this, to bet the over of seven. Now, that's counting on the Indians. You know, ah, you know. never mind. Uh, I think you just take uh, Barrios at a run and a half in this game because the Indians' offense, it's just so maddeningly inconsistent. And we can, we've talked about the bad luck of it. But remember, when you go to bet online, betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On if you like these lines. The promo code LOCKDOWN gets you a 5-0, 50% bonus on your deposit. That is betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON. Then I also just want to sit back and remind everyone that the NFL draft is covered on LOCKEDON. They are going to have the Draft Network, who, again, have one of the best mock draft machines. They're covering the draft live. So check that out for yourself. Subscribe to the LOCKEDON NFL YouTube page to watch three-day coverage of the draft. It's Ohio. It's Cleveland. The draft is a national holiday, and it's there this year. Do a favor for yourself. Check it out. So talking about this weekend series, uh, it was not, obviously, I was ranting huge time, (laughs) huge time, big time, I think is the word I wanted, uh, about this whole series, because the Yankees were honestly at like their worst point in 30 years. Like Coming into the series, it's like, this is the worst record the Yankees have had percentage-wise since 1991. Well, that's 19 years. Is that like, you know, we're in 2021, so that's 30 years, right? I'm doing the math correctly. Thursday's game we already talked about on the Friday show. Now, I'm not shocked by, and if you listen to the podcast, you shouldn't be shocked either by what happened with Logan Allen because I discussed it. Like, this is a team that is not a good matchup for a left-handed pitcher. Logan Allen has been okay. You know, he's had some ups, he's had some downs. Now, I thought the Indians would also get to Jordan Montgomery. They knocked him out before he got five innings. He did not get a quality start. 
it was an okay performance by him. They had four hits, three walks, and only three runs on those seven base runners and four and two thirds. Uh, you're hoping they get a bit more because, like, you look at the other side of things. So the Indians get three runs again, four and two thirds on four hits, three walks. Uh, the Yankees on one hit and five or one walk, five hits. They get four runs. Now it is in a lesser period. It's in two and a third innings. So theirs was more compacted. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton goes t- uh, yard twice in this one. Uh, Aaron Hicks, Rafa Nodur. I mean, a lot of these guys were just... Uh, Stanton was hitting 180 during that game. Hicks, 167. Uh, it's their, their offense has been struggling every bit as much as the Indians. It didn't matter, though. Uh, Fran Reyes is about the only bright spot over the course of this weekend, and you know we'll keep talking about him. But you look at this game in general, like who are the guys who reach base twice? Who are those two on-base guys? Jose Ramirez, two hits, two walks. There we go. There's a nice game for him. He's been a little up and down. Fran Mill had a double. Uh, Luplo had a double. But the only other guy who reached base twice besides Jose Ramirez, that's Ahmed Rosario. Roberto Perez, Yu Chen Chang, Andres Jimenez combined uh, over 11. Not great, right? You know, it's it's just ugly. And then Eddie Rosario is also, what, 0 for 4. He does get an RBI in that one. But it's, they're just, either guys are getting, it, it seems to be like two guys a game who are getting hits, and then you have, like, just these dead zones in the lineup, and that's the killer. Uh, you know, I'm just, you go through Phil Maton, nice rebound performance. We haven't really gotten to see him. Another home run, I think, off of Steffian, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. That is how that got manufactured. But two innings, Quantrell, nice to see him come in and get two innings. Uh, Class A comes in, performs well. You know, if I was doing the three stars in this one, it's Jose Ramirez, it's Fran Mel Reyes, and then it's honestly probably like uh, Quantrell for the two innings of uh, of pitching. It's it, it could have gone a lot worse. I mean, a five three loss stinks. Um, I I just knew Logan Allen was not a good matchup, and they couldn't do anything against the bullpen. And I was hoping they do a little bit more off of uh, the starter, but that's because it's one of those games they could have won. I didn't necessarily say they were going to win because I thought the lineup advantage was in the Yankees' favor. So then let's go talk about the next game, the pitching matchup. You know, like one of the best pitching matchups of the year. Bieber gives up two runs, both home runs. Like that is what he does. He is home run prone. If you're going to get to him, you have to hit the ball hard. Four hits, three walks, nine strikeouts. So his stretch uh, of getting 10-plus Ks ends. 119 pitches, though, in seven innings. That's a lot. I'm not sure why you leave him out there. Like That is a lot of early season stress. 119 is is a good chunk on a pitcher. And especially when you're getting in there, you're getting less return on investment for those pitches because multiple times through the order, it's... You're not getting better performance, right? And it's, you know, they lose this one 2-1. And it's not like anything happened in the the seventh that really changes the outcome. Uh, all the runs were in there. Uh, the Both the back, no, it wasn't back-to-back, but the two home runs came in the fifth. Uh, the Indians manufactured in the, uh, after a Jose Ramirez triple, manufactured in the fourth. But, yeah, it, you know, you're just not going to get those opportunities, and you hope that maybe you can get to the bullpen. That's the whole thing. You want to get to the bullpen quickly. But as a team in this one, three hits, one walk. Uh, who reached base twice? The answer would be nobody. It, 
uh, yeah, Garrett Cole is demolishing everyone this year right now. But you got to get to Justin Wilson. You got to get to Luizica. You you if you're gonna win, that's where it has to happen. So they dropped this one for Bieber. I I was curious to see how he would do. I talked about that for him after that terrible postseason performance. This was a game I feel like he probably had circled on the calendar, and for him, he pitched well. It was not necessarily you know his highest end performance but I mean if you're out there and of course I'm saying but I mean a lot uh seven innings to run baseball you're gonna take that every time so they were in I think that's maybe more annoying than anything else it's like Friday Saturday they were in those games they were really in those games they had a chance to to win those it didn't happen that the frustration mounts and then as predicted James Tyon was in um the pitcher for Sunday and it started out well for him uh in I mean it started out well for both pitchers until about the fourth where things came off now Tristan McKenzie was sitting like 89 90 in the first his velocity is already low and that's a concern and they still haven't figured out exactly what's going on with his velocity you have to go back to gosh was it 2019 when I saw him in the minors where he was getting up to 96 at points but his his velocity in that game would like peak at 96 and then the next inning it'd be like 89 to 91 and then it it was just not consistent inning to inning and I I don't know like I've always said like I I wonder if an opener or if like a multi-day reliever I don't know how it's going to work with him as a starter if that velocity continues to be the way it is the same way I just don't know how that build holds up uh, he's only going to get, like I said, about 120 innings max this year. So he goes four in this one, four hits, four walks. That's it. For him to be effective, he's got to avoid the walk. Uh, that's just the big killer. And he's always in the minors, avoided it. That's like part of what made him so successful was he he always had walk rates right around two. I was just kind of curious. He's already up to 16 and two-thirds innings. So he might have you know a little bit more than 100 innings left which is kind of crazy to think about, but that's where uh, they are with him. He's going to be very limited through the course of this year. Two more home runs given up. Uh, Henches gets one and two-thirds innings, picks up the win. Quantrell, another good performance, which is nice to see. Karen Chalk comes out, strikes out his side. Class A comes out, non-save situation, pitches well. Nice day for all pitchers outside of not the best for McKenzie, both in terms of what was given up over four innings and just the velocity. And, I mean, this is where we are with the Indians now. Like, Plesak is struggling over his last two starts. Logan Allen is struggling over his last two starts. Tristan McKenzie has a very limited amount of innings and has the issue with the velocity. You got Bieber. Savali's been very good this year, last start, uh, if we ignore. Uh, I wonder when they're going to start digging into some of that pitching depth. For as much as everyone wants to talk about the hitting woes, uh, the pitching is just not where it's been uh, anywhere close to that in the past few years. And it's, you, know, you lose Clevenger and Carrasco from this team a year ago, and they had the depth you were hoping to, to make up for Clevenger, but then you add in the loss of Carrasco. And I know I was like, they should trade players, but I mean, this offseason I was trying to sell Tristan McKenzie high when I discussed trades, but it always comes down to money and they, they're keeping him. They moved on from Carrasco and Carrasco has been hurt. So it's not like, if he had been in Cleveland necessarily, he would have done anything. But pitching is not not the safe zone uh, we're used to it being as Indians fans. But just getting back to this one, 
Two hits for Cesar Hernandez. He's almost up over the Mendoza line. Franmil Reyes, what a day. Whoever thought he would be a hit short of the cycle and it would be a double. Of all things, he's missing. he missed a double from the cycle. He stole a base. And if you remember, I think last week we were talking was the first triple of his career and he gets a second triple today. Uh, it's just weird luck. He even stole a base. Uh, Naylor, uh, the performance offensively is starting to dip. He did play first base. Uh, they're moving him there, trying some things out, looking uh, at some ways to, to get some other players. I mean, they, if you, Zach Meisel, I had a great like tweet about like players playing against uh, Shane Bieber in the slash line and against Garrett Cole with the slash line and then Indians first baseman and their slash line being worse than either of those situations. So yeah, that's it's an ugly situa- place for the Indians offensively. Trying Naylor there, I do think is the right move. I know he had an error there as well today, but I, I just I don't think he's going to cut it defensively long term, extended period of time in the outfield. Right now, you know, at one point in time, it's like earlier in the week we were talking about. Well, he's actually got it like a two sixty average. It's one of the highest on the team. Now he's down in the two twenties. It's been a struggle, but even like we've talked about, you know, Luplo and everything that's great and how he's playing against righties and he's playing well. He's 233 now the on base is 353 so that's that's good it's just he's walking at a significant rate to to accomplish that but Jimenez is struggling I mean everyone is struggling. who isn't struggling it's it's Fran Mill uh, and thank goodness for him as the Indians do manage to get a win seven to three in this one Henches has to be one of your three stars first career win Fran Mill of course has to be one of the other ones and when you're looking at just who had uh you know total bases in this one or you know, who else was the big kind of piece offensively? I don't know. Did so it's like who who were the who made it on base twice in this one? Like I always point out, you have Fran Mel Cesar and Austin Hedges. Uh not the group you quite expect in terms of that to be, at least not with Hedges. I honestly tempted to make the third star in this one, uh, Quantrell, as he went one and one third innings. You know, not perfect. He walks someone, but near perfect baseball. So that's this series. We'll take a quick break and then come back talking about uh, the a little bit about the twin series, just some very bare bones things. What more can I tell you about Built Bar at this point in time? Uh, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. That gets you 15% off. That is what I get as a returning customer, and I am someone who's had five, six orders in the past year because I enjoy the products. I enjoy the company. I think that what they make is exceptional. I've talked about it. I'm someone who's gluten-free, and I feel like I sit there and I get certain bars in the past. I ended up not eating all of them because I did not like them. Like, I couldn't get through the whole box. I started out like, okay, this is okay, and it's nice to have, like, a protein bar I can throw in as a quick snack when I'm feeling peckish. And then I wouldn't finish the box because it wasn't good. I have never not finished my Built Bar order. It's been a year. I'm still ordering it. I still love the product that much. It is still good to me. I get bored with things quickly. I do not get bored with Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get that 15% off your order. Fantastic product. That's all I can say all the time. I love Built Bar. If you try it, you will too. So let's quickly talk about the Twins. Now, we don't have a lot of time left in the show, if I'm being honest. So let's talk about the issue haunting this team. Right now, the Twins are 7-13. and They are two games behind the Indians. That's right. They are tied with the Tigers in terms of record. They are a team that is struggling on a lot of levels, and one of the big problems here is 
they have a lot of COVID issues. Uh, Andre Andrelton Simmons might play in this series against the Indians. He has been out since the 14th uh, and kind of went out. Of, it, it was just kind of the great irony of someone who really went out of his way to be uh, very much someone against a lot of COVID uh, fighting tactics. And then he got it and has the, the twins have missed him. On top of that, it just kind of that massive outbreak. J.D. Riddle, Kyle Garlick, Max Kepler. Kepler, uh, in particular, will be out for this series, which he's such an Indians killer. Like, I'm not happy that someone got COVID. That's never going to be the case. Uh, but in terms of that does, in, I mean, we also have to discuss. He is out. That increases the Indians' likelihood of winning games. Uh, they have been juggling some pitching with the Twins in general, uh, Berrios has been great. Kenta Maeda has come back to earth, which, again, should not be a surprise. Last year was at age 32. He had a year that he's always had some good numbers, and he's like I targeted him when I talked about like Lindor trades going back before they made the Betts deal because he has a very team-friendly, cost-controlled contract, and he's been like a solid four-type. Uh, last year, he was top three in the Cy Young. It was a very different guy. And so far, he hasn't been that. Uh, J.A. Happ has pitched very well, had a near no-hitter, or took a no-hitter late, I want to say. Pineda has pitched well. But they're a team that has starting pitching woes. And their bullpen has, you know, they went out and added Alex Colome. Hasn't gone great for him in the early going. Hanson Robles is someone else they added. He's been pretty solid. But they've, uh, was it Caleb uh, Theobar? It's also someone who's been on the I.L. with COVID issues. They're a team that got hit hard by COVID. And that has affected them offensively. A lot of guys just aren't performing. It's kind of like the Indians. I mean, they got Buxton and Cruz, and then there's no one else who's striking fear. I mean, Kirilov was struggling so badly, they sent him down to AAA for a bit, and then they didn't have any other choice, so they called him back up. Uh, when I was talking with um, Nash over at Locked On Twins, he talked about wanting to see what Brett Rooker can do. Well, they had to call him up. They're that... Uh, desperate for performance. Uh, Ryan Jeffers was supposed to be their catcher. He is uh, kind of, I mean, Mitch Garver is seeing more time now because of lack of performance. They, you know, William uh, uh, Ostidulo, whose name I'm butchering, who from Philly is, you know, he's getting daily play. There's a lot of players. Uh, Luis Arez was supposed to be a bench guy. He's getting daily play, but honestly, he's been one of their top three, four hitters. So it's been good for them relative to everything else. Josh uh, Donaldson has just not performed almost since he got there. And, you know, he's 35. At some point, I mean, don't tell Nelson Cruz that, but father time comes for everyone. So the Twins, you want to sit back and look at the series, and I'll do the deep dives later this week. Barrios versus Plesak. That is definitely in the Twins' favor. Maeda, Savali. I mean, to me, that's like a coin flip uh, situation with neither. I mean, I might lean the Indian. Okay, I'm going to lean the Indians way, but it's it's a near coin flip. I wouldn't be shocked either way in that one. And then Hap versus Allen. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just don't trust Logan Allen at this point in time. Hap's been good, but the Indians should hit lefties. I, I'd probably, like in all of these games, I can see a world where Minnesota sweeps. I could see a world where the Indians sweep, though. If I'm going to pick odds, I'd think like 70-30. There'd be a twin sweep. I can also think the more likely outcome is a split of some sort. The Twins are struggling. This is a team the Indians should play well against because it's a team that's struggling. It is a team that has been hit hard 
by uh, by COVID, and they've had a lot of players that have not been available. They faced a Yankees team that was struggling and just lost three out of four. So I don't know. Uh, hey, they've won one. Are they turning a corner? I I don't think so. I'm my general view is that they will win the Tuesday game and lose the other two. We'll dive more deeply later in this week, so make sure to check that out. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Needs Podcast. And for the next year at least, remember, go Tribe.